Welcome to the Chi Alpha UNC podcast. We're excited that you've decided to stop by. We are in a new series called Same God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Today, Jacob continues our series by looking at abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. God has not changed in this. This message was recorded on March 23rd, 2023 at the Columbine Suites at the UC. Please join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at the UNC campus. All are welcome. Come as you are. Leave as a new creation. What is up? What up? What up? Hey, hey, we haven't been good at the loud cheering at the beginning, so I don't want anybody to cheer right now, okay? Awesome. Good job. This is a serious <laughs> moment. Thank you. Moment of silence. <laughs> there it is. The reverse psychology works every time. <laughs> all right, all right. We got a couple announcements for us uh, before we get into the word. The first announcement is, well, that's, yes, yes, yes. That's, uh, that's old news. <laughs> that's right. All right. Prayer meetings is the first is the first announcement, <laughs> led by none other than Jacob T. Peck. Yeah. And as you can clearly tell, that is definitely him in the picture. It's blonde hair. That's how you know it's him. <laughs> That's right. Prayer meetings. Hey, so so prayer meetings are every Tuesday at 11 a.m. We meet at the Campus Commons room 2200. That's not this building that we're in. That's in the building right next door. And, uh, yeah, we meet there every single Tuesday. Guys, come pray. This uh, prayer is really the driving force behind anything that uh, we want God to do. And we want to see it again. Uh, we want to see God move. And so, yeah, it is so important for us as Chi Alpha to have a conviction of prayer. So please come out and join us. Uh, it's welcome to anybody. So if you're not in class, if you're not busy, come through. Yeah, next announcement. All right, so yeah, so next up we have our debate for women in ministry. I know this has been this has been cooking for a while, so I know this is going to be hype uh, for the theology nerds, but this is actually something really good that I encourage you to go to. Uh, Solomon tells us in Proverbs that we sharpen each other's iron and we build each other's wisdom. So if you want to know more about the Lord and yeah. how, uh, how women are involved in ministry, I recommend going. Yeah, definitely encourage our interns. So uh, the date is April 8th, Saturday, 10 to ten in the morning to 12 p.m. Uh, be there. Also, we'll, we'll hit you up with the location. That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right, yeah, come on and encourage our interns. Next announcement. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. Where? Yeah. Dang. So, ah! All right, got got a question for you. Where, 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 where are the boys at? Oh, okay, better question. Where are the men at? If you are a man and you love Jesus, or you don't even have to love Jesus, you just love the dudes, you want an experience with men, there's going to be guns, there's going to be meat, and there's going to be talks about the Lord. Guys, Men's Advance is one of uh, my favorite events that we do all year long. It's so fun. And uh, what happens at Meds Advance stays at Meds Advance. How y'all know? That's so true. <laughs> so without giving too much detail about what we're doing, there will be an $80 cost to go, and uh, you can register starting tonight. We get, uh, it'll set. be Friday through Sunday, April 14th through the 16th, so that's the week after the min- Women in Ministry debate, week after uh, Easter, so that shouldn't uh, coincide with anything else like that y'all have going on. So please come on and you can be as masculine as Jacob T. Peck. But, uh, say it again. All right, so next up, uh, we have our fun day with the Arkansas team. Uh, oh, yeah. It's been a real blessing having them here and having them work on campus uh, here and at Ames. Um, tomorrow's their fun day. They're going up to Estes Park. Uh, it'd be awesome if you guys could come. They're leaving at 10.30 in the morning meeting at the Holidays House. But... Everyone knows this. This park's awesome. You should go. Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. Next announcement is we have our offering tonight. Let's go! Offering. <laughs> okay. So for the, guys, we've just been 
spent some time worshiping the Lord with our praise. Now is another time to continue in worship with our giving. And worship right. God with our finances, that everything that we get is not ours, it's, uh, it's the Lord's. And so if this is a place where you feel like you are, uh, where you grow spiritually, where you are primarily being fed, we encourage you to give. Uh, we take Venmo, credit card, um, and, and cash money too. But uh, uh, right. I'm going to... Yeah, so I'll send some chat. Let's pray over the offering. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for giving hearts. Thank you for uh, every dime that is uh, given today. And Lord, we ask that whatever that uh, people give will be blessed. We ask that uh, you take this money and you uh, you multiply it, Lord. In there we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so up next, I want to invite uh, some of our friends that just went on mission trips over spring yeah. break. So uh, we got some testimonies first up. Uh, let's see, to be announced, uh, my brother Cade. Yeah, it's Cade Fett. Let's just be up here. We'll go in turns. Are we going in turns? Sure. Yeah. All right, all right, Cade. I don't want to stand up here by myself. I'll stand up here. Thanks, bro. For those we also of you got Abe, too. Hey, can you rap for us, bro? No. So for those of you that don't know, I'm Caden. I went on a mission trip to University of Arizona last week. Yeah. So the, the first couple days we were there, we were doing a lot of, like, service for the church that we partnered with there. A lot of just kind of labor, labor kind of work. And um, I actually got really, really sick on Tuesday. And I woke up with, like, a really bad sore throat, really bad headache. Uh, my stomach was not feeling it. Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was super nauseous, and yeah, I just was not feeling like myself at all. And we spent like seven or eight hours just laying flooring all day, so that was kind of brutal. And I was really worried because the next day we were supposed to go on campus and evangelize and do this thing called Jesus Exhibit. If you don't know what it is, it's really cool. Talk about it later. Um, yeah. And I was, I was really nervous because I was like, Lord, I don't want to just sit at home while all my brothers and sisters are out, you know, sharing the gospel, spreading the good news. So I got a really good night's sleep that night, and I woke up, but I was still feeling, like, super sick. And I didn't think I was going to be able to go on campus. And so while we were, after our morning Devo at a coffee shop, we were driving to campus, and I was just sitting in the back of the, ba- back of the van. And I was like, Lord please like take this sickness away from me and I was just asking for healing because like so many of y'all know like Jesus heals and he has the power to do it over and over again and I kid you not the second we went out to go two by two start evangelizing my sore throat was gone like I had no headache I was not nauseous at all and I felt I felt completely fine and literally every single conversation I had for the next like five hours Every single one of them led to Jesus. And, like, the entire time I was thinking, like, thank you, Lord, for, like, for what you do. Because it's, like, I felt, like, so useless and so, you know, broken down. But, you know, the Lord picked me up and he gave me strength for the day. And, yeah, that's pretty much all I had. Come on. All right, I'm going to keep this short because I feel like the Lord wants me to say something else, too. Um, New York was really cool. We went to Queens College, and um, it was completely different than what I thought it would be. Um, when I think of missions trips, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I think of, like, oh, we're going to go feed the homeless or we're going to do community service and stuff like that, and that's not at all what this missions trip was. And I truly believe that God really humbled us in a lot of different ways and truly showed us how to love each other, how to fellowship with one another, as Jesus, were he to be here in the flesh, would be fellowshipping with others. And above all, truly, that that's really the most important thing, is just stay close to God, just relation, relation, relation. Love each other as Christ loves you. Um, the other thing I wanted to say really quickly was, um, also the, the team over there is really cool too, but... Um, I feel like the Lord has put this on my heart to share with you guys because he shared it with us on the missions trip there. But So Matthew 6, 33 through 34 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day 
is its own trouble. So truly, I'm telling you right now, and this is for myself to hear too, but stop worrying about tomorrow. Tonight's not guaranteed. We could all die tonight. I know, you know, spoiler alert, but truly, nothing is more important than Jesus and his kingdom. And if you do not seek first his kingdom, then you are literally robbing your life out of life abundant. Jesus says that I have come to give you life and to give it abundantly. And if you're not seeking first his kingdom, then you only have yourself to blame. So truly. Hey, guys. This is too tall. <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, I went to Denver. Yeah, woo! Let's go, Denver. Yeah, uh, I didn't know what to expect on this mission trip. Um, I've never really gone on a mission trip where we just served the church. Uh, most mission trips I've gone on were through Chi Alpha, and, and they were serving other Chi Alphas. And so I wasn't sure what to expect on this one. Um, man, and it, it, was, it was pretty life-changing. Um, for me, um, being a little bit older and uh, serving alongside college students um, and this ministry kind of opened my eyes to um, just what the church can be. And uh, in, on, this, on this trip, we served uh, Hills Church. Uh, and you wouldn't believe how much we went out. And we just had conversations with um, business owners and the homeless on the street. And these conversations, you wouldn't believe how many of them uh, heard of this church and they knew this church. And that was something to me that was so encouraging was um, talking to these people who, you know, they, they were just so blessed to have small blessings of giving gifts and, and, and food and water and, and prayer and to know the name of Hills Church and to know their local church was, was so impactful. Um, one thing we did is, is we went out and evangelized, and, and we just shared the gospel with, um, with whoever would hear it. And one thing was, that was crazy to me is about uh, 9 out of 10 people we talked to, uh, including in, in the homeless community, um, they said they knew Jesus. And to me, that blew my mind. Because um, it, it made me first question, what does it mean to think, think you know Jesus? Um, another thing is... is, is Saying I know Jesus just a way to get past the conversation. And um, it was breaking my heart the first couple days. Um, and then we were, we, were, we were training for evangelism uh, a couple days in. And the guy who was helping us, I forgot his name, uh, Jeff? Jeff. Jeff. Uh, he was helping us out. And, and he was sharing this awesome story how most people you meet, they're already going to have seeds. Uh, Christians go out every day and share the gospel with these with with, with these people and, and with the homeless people. And, and um, it's not going to be new to them when you share it to them. And if it is, that's a blessing. That's awesome. But the expectation of, of seeing a bunch of them come to Christ through you is, is also, unfortunately, not going to be a reality in most cases. And so um, one thing that blew my mind is he shared that it's not just a seed and then, and then uh, reaping a harvest. It is Seeds need rainstorms. And so when you go on mission trips like this, it's not, it's not pointless. You're not sharing the gospel with people who already know it, and then it's just, it's just hitting a wall and, and falling to the ground. It's, it's we are a rainstorm coming into Denver, and we are watering these seeds. And so as we, as we give the gospel to these people, and it's the fifth time they heard it, sixth time they heard it, but with it, we're fulfilling their, their temporary needs. They're hungry, and we give them a burrito. They're, they're thirsty, and we give them water as we pray for them and share the gospel for the hundredth time. That's watering that gospel. That's watering that seed. And so um, it was just so encouraging. And, and um, for a lot of us, we're not going to go into college ministry, but we'll move on to our churches, our home churches, and we're going to move on doing ministry through those. And and something I want to encourage you guys to do is uh, seek to be the rainstorm. You know, seek to be the rainstorm in your community. If you're in Greeley, be in your church in Greeley, you, you should be a rainstorm to all those seeds in Greeley. Uh, same thing for Windsor, Severance, wherever you're from. Um, you should be that, that watering of those seeds um, if they've already been planted. And we do that by fulfilling each other's needs, fulfilling others' needs, and uh, loving God while we do it. So, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah, What's up, quick, say? Can I get a shout real quick for Jesus? Like, come on. Come on. Thank God we have something to cheer for. All right, so obviously I'm on my mission trip right now. 
and thank you guys for being being so welcoming. But um, yeah, I heard about this place, and I was like, yeah, I'm pumped. Let's ready to go. Let's do it. And then all of a sudden, I hear about this thing called street preaching. Bro, what in the world? I'm from Arkansas. I, I, what is that? So I'm immediately like dreading this thing, and I don't know what to do. And I know it's going to be on my heart the entire trip. And then all of a sudden, on the day of, after I've been dreading this thing the whole time, my heart just changes, and all I can credit is God. We're sitting there getting prepped for like just how it's going to go down, and then all of a sudden, he's like, you have nothing to fear. There's no reason to fear because all you have is your story, and it's not even your story anymore. Like, you have no job, like, besides making disciples. Like, you are called to make disciples, and you have no reason to fear that because you have no reason for embarrassment of your own story because it's not your story anymore. You have a right to talk about Jesus, and you have that right for a reason. Like, you should be happy and joyful to share that word every single time that you go out into the street. Like, there's no reason to be embarrassed because it's not about you anymore. It's about the joy that Jesus has given you. So I just came up here, and I just want you guys to be encouraged every single time that you might uh, encounter somebody who hasn't heard the word before to continue to reach out to them and just how he's already changed me. That's awesome. God's awesome. And so real quick, if you guys went on a missions trip this past week, or even if you're on one now, uh, can you raise your hand if uh, you really felt like you got closer to the Lord this week? Oh, man, come on. Praise God. Double hands up. Dude, it was amazing, guys. Uh, if you guys uh, get the chance to go on a trip, please do. We got missions trips next year that uh, you guys will be able to sign up for. Dude, be excited for missions, guys. Be excited. But, All right, yeah, and uh, last but not least, let's. I'd love to invite up my brother, Jake Holiday. Super wise, super awesome. Love this guy. There we go. That's slightly better. I'm short. All right, here we go. How is everybody doing? Wow, that is wobbly. Oh, fantastic. Let me just scooch this over just a touch. Man, it is so good to see most of you besides the lights in my eyes. There we go. That's a little better. How are we doing? You doing good? Yeah, okay. Man, I am so grateful to be here with you all and be able to share this word because it has been burning on my heart. And it, has, it means so much to me. There we go. Hold on. There we go. There we go. I see y'all now. Beautiful. Beautiful. Fantastic. Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to pray first. Cool? All right. Well, Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness, your abounding and loyal love and faithfulness, oh God. And we pray, Lord Jesus, you would speak through me and to all of us, oh God, that you would draw us nearer to you, Father. And that you would call us more and more to yourself. We love you, Lord. We give you all the praise and glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's reread that, or, or the verse we've been going over, right? Exodus 34, 6. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. Abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And it's the reason why I'm standing before you today. So I'm very grateful. Now, let's all, ha- let's all take a moment. Some of you are on mission trips, right, Arkansas? Right? Just some of you just got back. Now, let's, let's, let's imagine this for a moment, if you will. You're on a mission trip overseas, right? And ladies, you lock eyes with the most attractive man you've ever set eyes on in your life. Right? So, oh, oh close to it. Now, you know, you mean you set eyes on him? And he is just a knockout, right? And he is just, y- y- yeah, oh, oh, sh- yeah, 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 sure, right? All of a sudden, they start walking up to you with these eyes, right? And let's see, hold on. No, it's not working? Oh, well. All right, so here we go. So all of a sudden, you're walking, right? And you lock eyes with this person. Right? And the sparks are flying. And they're walking up straight to you. Right? And you're just like, and you're just, right? It's just wild. Like, your heart is going crazy. 
right? And they then all of a sudden they start talking to you, right? They start talking to you, and then in the midst of this, you realize you start having everything in common. They even seem to love the Lord, right? And all of a sudden, here you go. We're in there days and weeks, maybe a week or so, and all of a sudden everything that you're doing, you just keep getting more and more closer to them, right? And then they come to tell you, they look you dead in the eye and say, you are the most beautiful woman I have ever seen in my life. Uh, you, are, you, are, you are more attractive than any of the women in my country and anywhere else in the world. You are exactly who I've been praying for. Right? And, that, and, and then they say, I am madly in love with you. Right? And immediately your mind just gets triggered because I'm married and I know how, a little bit how women's brains work. Right, a little, very small amount, tiny, insignificant almost amount. But immediately, your mind goes straight to your wedding day, right? Your future kids, right? Your life together, your future. And you're overwhelmed with the awe that someone like this would love someone like you. Right? Right? Am I, am I close? Am I close? Am I close? There he is. The most attractive man you've ever seen in your life. There we go. Thank you. Now, my, now you understand my point. Now you understand my point. That's right, Chicano Reeves. Amen. All right, praise, praise the Lord for beautiful men. And women, and everybody, okay, yeah. All right. So then, all of a sudden, this guy starts talking to you about marriage, right? And your future together. And you're like, well, you're reading my mind right now, right? Okay, you can turn it off. He's distracting. He's distracting. He's distracting me. That's why I have to look forward. All right, right? And then it looks, it looks, it's someone who looks like Gabe. It's not Gabe, but it's someone who looks similar to him, a very blessed man, right? Yeah, very blessed man. So, and then right when your heart can barely take it, right? Right when you feel like you're about to faint from the joy of everything, he gets down on one knee, right? Right? To, to not to tie his shoe, no? He gets down on his one knee, and he says, Mi amore. Will you marry me so that I can get citizenship to the United States? <laughs> Boo is right. Immediately, your heart is ripped out and stepped on. You're left gutted at the realization that they never actually loved you. They were playing with your heart to get what they wanted, right? Access to a better place to live, a better way of life, and they didn't care how they got it. You were just a means to an end. Right? Like, that's cold-blooded. Then why did we do that to Jesus? Then why do we do that to Jesus? And I tell you right now, my friends, I've done that to Jesus. See, Jesus delivered me from chronic anxiety, from depression, from wanting to kill myself almost every day and trying five times. And when I gave my life to him, in spite of all that, I continue to break his law and to break his heart. I continue to harbor jealousy and anger, coveting other people's things, even to the point of guilt-tripping people to try to get those things that I was coveting because they didn't use them. But I would. And then not only that, I've, I consistently cared more about my own honor and how other people think of me than God's honor and how he thought and what he thought of me. And for years I cheated on Jesus by choosing pornography over his love. By choosing to gratify my flesh instead of gratifying his body. I was so given over to it that at a certain point as being a proclaiming Christian, I was becoming so numb and so calloused in my heart that I couldn't even feel conviction of sin anymore. Because that's what sin does. It hardens us. And the more we give into it, the more hopeless it seems that we can ever get out of it. And so, in order to cope with the pain of it, we just start turning off our emotions. Because it's better to feel nothing than to feel the conviction and do nothing with it. And that's what I did. Now, thank God, the Lord was incredibly faithful and kind abounding in loyal love and faithfulness to send me brothers to fight for me, to, fight me friend, to find 
to give me friends that I did not deserve, to help fight and weep for me, to pray for me, to be mad for me when I couldn't be mad for me, to, 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 to cry for me when I couldn't cry for myself, and to rip the calluses off my cold and dying heart. And it was not easy for them. But they love me, and they love the Lord too much to not do that. I was just like that person who just wanted admittance into a better country, into a better way of life, right? My love was for myself. It was not for my Savior. When I sinned, and this is a big identifier for all of us, not just me or, or, or one person, I, when I sinned, I only hated the consequences of my sin. I just didn't want to get caught. I just didn't want to be ripped from my position or people's affirmation. I only cared about the consequences. I didn't actually care or hate the fact that it was breaking my Savior's heart who gave everything for me and delivered me out of so much. And even in that moment was still using me. I didn't care until someone cared for me. Yet in spite of all my blatant idolatry and, and adultery, in spite of me stepping on my Savior's bleeding and battered body to elevate myself instead of Him, my Lord, as of today, has kept me for 4,356 days, over 11 years, and I have not made it easy for Him. I have not. And I know because of this, two things at least, that He will never give up on me and that He will never give up on you. I stand before you today as a free man because of the abounding loyal love and faithfulness of my Father, of my God and Savior. So know this, what I share with you tonight is not just theology, it's not just theory, it is a factual reality of my life and the love of God. So let's talk about it, right? Abounding in steadfast, loyal love and faithfulness. This word abounding, right? So I think we're quick to overlook it at times because it feels like a filler word that gets you to the loyal love and faithfulness. But oh, abounding. So abounding is like you're jumping over a mountain and then there's something even bigger, right? Abounding, it's crazy, it's awesome. It's the Hebrew word rab. And, and it conveys a sense of greatness, abundance, leadership, and importance. The word abounding is also found in one of the most powerful and misinterpreted verses in all the Bible and one of my favorites. Romans 5, 20 through 21. says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Where sin abounded, which is huge, God's grace did much more abound. It eclipsed it. And as you have heard from my story, I have broken and grieved God's heart more times than I can count or would care to mention. And even as a Christian, I have still abounded in sin at times. And yet God's grace did still abound even more. So does that mean we can just go on sinning? No. No, and actually we're going to read the next two verses after this because Paul clears that up pretty quickly. Romans 6, 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? A dead man can't abound in sin. If you are in Christ, that means your old man has been killed. He is dead. and he, You can't abound in it anymore. Well, how does this verse make any sense then? Right? Okay, cool. So we're sin abounded, grace abounded more. We can't sin though. So what are we doing here? Okay, let's ask a, a fun theological question. Right? So would it have been better had we not sinned in the garden? Right? It's a thinker, but I think most of us would say, yeah, of course it'd be better if we didn't sin. Right? Think about all, all the hurts I've gotten. Yeah, it would be better had, had we not sinned. And honestly, considering my life and the trauma that I've experienced, I'd be compelled to agree with you. But honestly, I believe that we would miss out on so much more had we not sinned. I believe that in spite of how horrible this world is with sin, that we would miss out on so much of God. Think of the verse, right? Where sin abounded, grace abounded more. Had there been no sin, 
there would have been no reason for grace. Had God, God has used all of the horrible sins in this world for His glory and even our good. Had there been no sin, we would have never been able to experience His grace, His long-suffering, steadfast, abounding, loyal love. And we would never be able to be in awe at how good and sovereign He is to be able to take all of our garbage, all of our pain, all of our hurts, our sins, and use them all for good. Because I can tell you right now, every moment that I have hurt God's heart, He has used it. That He has used it for me to help be able to minister to someone, be able to lead someone to Him, to give hope to the hopeless. He has been so faithful. He is abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. So how does His grace abound then, right? Well, let's go to Romans 2.4, another one of my favorite verses. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and patient God is with you by restraining His wrath? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Right? Have you ever thought about that? It's not His wrath. It's not His holiness. It's not His justice. It's, it's not His sovereignty. It's His kindness. Now, how does that work? Well, let me tell you a story from my own life. It was a few months ago, and Callie and I were going to go out on a date night, a date day. It was around fall, right? And we are going to go see the fall colors, so we just moved to Colorado, and we're like, we got to see these things. This is going to be incredible. And then things didn't go quite to plan in the morning. And as a man, when my plans don't go to action, I get a little frustrated. So, right? So we're going to Sam's Club because it's cheap for gas, and... I'm not going to pay extra for it. So, and because it's cheap, there is a huge line. And I am just waiting there. We're already like 30 minutes late, and I'm fuming. And then there's a line and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, I see a pump open up. And I'm like, I, I'm going for it. And in going for it, I almost hit a car and a person. And then naturally, naturally, Callie, she, 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 she told me what was right. And she told me to calm down and stop driving like an idiot. I don't know if she said idiot, but that's how I interpreted it, okay? And I let the anger get the best of me, and I yelled at her, and I told her to shut up. And do you know how immediately that cut me? I knew I had screwed up. I knew, I, I never tell her that. Like, and especially in that tone, like, I, I, I was like, oh, no, I messed up. I have sinned against my wife, and what I did was wrong. And so, you know, as a, as a fleshly person at times, I... I I was anticipating to defend myself against her yelling at me more. But she didn't do that. Instead, she cried. And not only did she cry, but she allowed me to apologize. And then proceeded to tell me that she loved me and forgave me. You have no defense for that. When you know that you deserve wrath and instead receive loving kindness, you have no defense for it. And the only possible conclusion, unless you are dead, is that it breaks you. And it leads you to a loving repentance and endears you to that person even more, instead of defending yourself. And this is how Jesus deals with our sin. It breaks his heart. We fully deserve the full weight of his wrath. And instead, he weeps over us. Instead, he responds with loving kindness, and he leads us to repentance. And it abounds over our sin against Him. And we come to realize that He's far better than we deserve. And He is so much more patient than we are. Now here, here's, I'm, I'm going I'm to tell you all something real quick. If you can sin and not be grieved by what you've done to Jesus, you are in a most dangerous situation. It shows that your heart is hardening with selfishness and sin. And I've been there. And, the, and only a miraculous work of God can bring you out of it. And, I, and so if that is you tonight, at the end of this, even if you don't feel anything, I want you to pray the prayer that I prayed. And that is, Lord, help me to even want to want to change. Help me to, help me to fee, want to feel something, because I'm dead, and I need you. And the closer we get to Jesus, I promise you, the more aware of your sinfulness you will become.
and the more in awe of God's grace you will become. His long-suffering, superabounding grace and love. You will be enraptured by it, and you will get to see that, yes, where your sin has abounded, His grace has abounded much more, and it will endear you more to Him. Every wicked and despicable thought and thing that we have ever done or had happen to us, God knows, and outside of His grace in the blood of Jesus, we and everyone else would be held guilty and on our way to hell for all of them. Right? Jesus says, if, if, you, if, you, if you have anger against your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. If you look lustfully at a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart, which means it's not about the action, it's about the heart. So if those thoughts are coming in, we are all held in contempt. One of my favorite preachers of all time, many of you will know what I'm going to say, Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said, if we have never seen ourselves as a sinner, it means that we are not justified by faith. Because we do not see our need of it. You can only be saved through faith in Jesus. And if you do not see your need to be justified and made right with God by faith in Jesus, because you've only seen yourself as a good person and never a sinner, then you're not saved. I say again, we, where we are more conscious of our abounding potential for sinfulness, the more conscious we will become of the even more abounding love of Christ. There's a story of a great man of God. His name is John Bradford. And he's, he was alive in the 1500s. And shortly before he was martyred for Jesus, there was a story that goes that he was standing on the street with, with, with another man. And there was being marched through the street these men who had committed heinous crimes of murder and rape and things of that nature. And they were getting marched off to get burned at the stake. And the man with John Bradford said, Can you believe these guys? They, they have what they've. They're getting what they deserve. They're so despicable. How dare they? Good for, I'm glad they're getting that. In which John Bradford responded with tears in his eyes. But for the grace of God, there go I. But for the grace of God, there go I. But for the grace of God, there goes Jacob Holiday. To every disgusting and despicable act that we have seen and thought of or even had done to us. The same rings true that John Bradford said, but for the grace of God, there go I. And I know that many of us here, way more than there should be, have experienced abuse and, tra and traumatic things. And I myself have been sexually abused as a kid. And I know the horrors and the trauma that it can bring. But I also know how wicked my heart can be. And if not for the grace of God, I know that I am fully capable of that and worse all the, all, the, all the horrible things that have been done against me, I know that I'm capable of them outside of the grace of God. Because we need to remember more and more every day that we are all equal in our need for Jesus. And at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. There is no sin greater or less than the other. We are all equally in need of Jesus. So do not run from conviction of sin, my friends but run to the abounding love of Christ who covers all of our sins with his blood. Run to your family that he has given you, your brothers and sisters, because guess what? There is nothing that anybody here in this room could confess that one of us in this room also hadn't done or heard of or thought of. Let's be real. We're all, we, we, we are all capable of doing some pretty horrible things, but for the grace of God. Abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. Loyal love. The second word is the Hebrew word chesed, which means promise-keeping, loyalty, and love. Motivated, motivated by deep personal care through love, generosity, and enduring commitment and covenant. This deep personal covenantal love is the same love that we expect to have in our wedding vows to be carried through in our marriage. When Callie and I said our wedding vows, we promised to be loyal to each other. It's Ronnie. It's Ronnie. He, did our, he did our wedding. That's right. And that picture is of me putting the ring on Callie's finger after saying my vows. We promised to be loyal to each other, to choose to love each other, even when it wasn't convenient, like at the gas station, to seek and pursue the highest good of the other above ourselves, for better or worse, in adversity or prosperity, in sickness or in health, 
no matter what, for as long as we both shall live. Divorce has never been and will never be an option for Callie and I. We are both a product of families that have unfortunately been divorced. We will work it out. As Christ died for us, we will die for each other. And we will work out whatever comes our way because of what Jesus has done for us. This is how the Lord loves us. And even more so. And we see that, that the power and the loyalty of God's love throughout the Bible. But here in Romans 8 was one of my all-time favorites, okay? So Romans 8, 38 through 39. And Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. My friends, this is loyal love. This is what it looks like. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not anything in all creation. Nothing can separate us. But the, in order to, to get access to these promises, Jesus must be our Lord and we must be committed to him. In the same way that if I want the fullness of Callie's love and trust and all the promises in those vows, I must be a faithful husband. If Jesus is not our Lord, he is not our Savior. He cannot be one without the other. He, he, he is either Lord of all or not of all. And he, he not only, sure, he could demand our faithfulness to him, but even now I think we could all agree that he deserves our faithfulness. This loyal love of, of Christ is no passive thing. Jesus did not come to earth to die for our sins because we loved him, but because he loved us. Right? His loyal love is so multifaceted that we don't have time to get into it all. But I'm going to touch on a few. A few for, that I've learned from some men of God throughout the years. First one, God's love pursues. It chases. In Christianity, we have the beautiful doctrine of the incarnation, where the King of kings and the Lord of lords came down from heaven, became a man in poverty, in lower class conquered people, not just so that we could seek after him and find him, but because God himself was going to seek after and find us. If you look throughout the whole Bible, it is the only one, it is the only holy book in any religion where God does literally all the work. Everything else is, God, is man trying to get to God. Christianity is the only one where God does everything to get to man. That is the God I will serve. All right? Jeremiah 31.3 says, And the Lord appeared to him from far away, and he said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued to extend my loyal love, hesed, to you. From everla and, and that word everlasting means forever, Eter from eternity. Even before we were born or lived or could sin against him or long after we could have repented, it said, God himself says, I will never give up on you. I will never, ever stop loving you. The next thing that, it, that, that happens is that God's love serves. Philippians 2, 4 through 8, each of you should not look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know where we get the word excruciating? It was from crucifixion. Be careful to throw around that, world, that word a little too carefully, huh? What Christ did was excruciating, and he defined it. God humbled himself, came in the form of a servant, and showed us what true love is. That true, abounding, self-sacrificing, loyal over my dead body, am I going to let you live a stupid, selfish life kind of love. God came down and, did, and sought, sought our highest good over his highest good. That way we may be transformed to seek the highest good of him and his kingdom and the highest good of other people over ourselves. Whether they deserve it or not, we didn't deserve it and they don't have to. Thirdly, God's love fights. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, 
just as we are, and yet was without sin. Our boy My- Michael Heron over here, he, pre- he, pre- he street preached this the other day. See, Jesus chose to die in the most excruciating and humiliating way possible so that we could have the opportunity to have eternal life through his sacrifice. If we truly love someone, you will fight for them. And you will be angry when they live a stupid and selfish life, when you know what they are capable of, and they do not live up to it, and they live far below it. It's going to piss you off, and it should. If you're not angry at that, if you're just tolerant, well, guess what? G.K. Chesterton says, and I believe this, tolerance is the virtue of a man that has no convictions. If you love something, you will be angry. The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. And God hates sin. And he hates what it does to his people and his son. And lastly, well, God's love lasts forever. Forever. That's what what that verse in Romans 8 pointed to. Nothing can ever separate us. This is the loyal love of God. He has never and will never give up on you on any of us, even though we have long since given up at him at times. The loyal, and this loyal love of God should change us to the point to where we give it to others. It is not meant to just be kept to ourselves. And as C.S. Lewis said, nothing, nothing, nothing worth anything is ever complete until it's shared. Right? Think about it. Have you ever had really good, well, actually, we're about to, really good Mexican food? Um, tacoriendo, right? Quesaberia, you know what I mean? With consomme. You know, that, that is, that, I, if, if I just kept that to myself, it would still be good, but it's not really good until it's shared with someone. You can be like, Am I, wasn't I right? Wasn't I right? This is so good. How much more so the love of God? Right? Oh. Abounding in lo- loyal love and faithfulness. This third word, faithfulness. It's the Hebrew word emet, which means truthfulness, reliability, faithfulness of God, in his character and promises. Emet is where we get our word amen. Right? Which means that's truth. Right? That's right. So from the, from the rest of the sermon, if you would, instead of shouting amen, you can shout emet. You know what I mean? Can I get an emet? Amen. All right, amen. Pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So this word faithfulness, it's, a, it's in another one of my favorite verses. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are unfaithful, he, Jesus, remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Who, who here can testify with me to the truth of this verse? Can I get an emet? Hey, emet, that's right. Come on now. So did, oh, uh, hold on, did, did you catch it though? All right, I'm gonna, you, you, most of you probably caught it, but just in case, I'm going to share something with you that I read this verse a lot, and it took a while for this to actually click, right? So faithful, right, says that he cannot deny who he is. That's why he remains faithful. See, because faithfulness isn't just something God does. It's who he is. He is faithfulness, and he is the bar at which we measure all other faithfulness. Right? Which means that Jesus does not just choose to be faithful. It is who he is, and he can't be anything but faithful. If he has put a promise in his word... He will, and he has to stand by it. And when we pray, we can remind him, just as Moses did. Remember your long-suffering, loyal love, O God, and do not strike down the Israelites. And the Lord responded by not destroying the Israelites. Praise the Lord. Uh, Even though, my gosh, they deserved it, and so did I. So do I. Um, See, here's the thing. This is is a cool thing. We are made in the image of God, right? Right. We were also made for God. And so is it any wonder that each of us, and then the deepest parts of our heart, have this just yearningly deep desire to be in a truly faithful relationship? Whether that be in your family, your friendships, romantically, fill in the blank. In the deepest parts of our heart, we desire someone to be sacrificially faithful to us, no matter what. So so many of us idolize marriage, because that's what we're really after. Our heart's desire for faithfulness will only find its fulfillment in the one who himself is faithfulness. Namely, Jesus. 
God in the flesh who humbled himself and came down for us. And I promise you, as the Lord told me when I, when I was really mad about being single, I'm going to tell you. If he's not enough, he can't trust you with someone. Because that means you're going to make them your God. And he will, have no other, we, we, and he will not allow us to have any other gods, let, let alone it will crush us and crush that other person and crush the Lord's heart. Right? So I assure you, none of us here are faithfulness. Everyone in this room will, has, and, and might, might even be currently have hurted someone. You know what I mean? Have hurt someone. Kind of, right? Uh, unfortunately, and unfortunately, right, all of us have been a part of a relationship, a family member, a friendship, fill in the blank, where someone has betrayed our trust and has been unfaithful to us. And it makes us never want to open up our hearts again. It's just better to feel nothing than to let someone hurt me again. See, I have been unfaithful to my God, yet just as His Word says, He has remained faithful to me and to His promises and to His Word that He's given to me and to all of us. And He will remain so. See, no matter what you have done or what has happened to you, Jesus Christ will be faithful to you. And all you must do is give your life to Him. The praise team would come up. Praise team. But in response to his abounding, loyal love and faithfulness, have we ever asked the question, why did he do it in this way? Wasn't there an easier way than dying on the cross? Couldn't he have just said, thus saith the Lord, ye are forgiven forever. Right? And be done with it? Perhaps a lesser God would do that. But this is not our God. And this is not our loving God. He is abounding and and overflowing with loyal and selfless love, with faithfulness that knows no bounds, and yet He is perfectly just and holy and righteous. And as such, He cannot allow rebellion into heaven, lest it destroys all He loves like it has on this earth. See, God is no hypocrite. Proverbs 11.21 says, Be sure of this. The wicked will not go unpunished, but those who are righteous will go free. But then he also says in Romans 3.10 in the Amplified, As it is written and forever remains written, there is none righteous, none that meet God's standards, not even one. So God is abounding in loyal love and faithfulness, but he is also good and just. These seem to be at odds. I think we can all agree that no good judge would ever look over a punishment for a crime that's deserved. Like imagine a judge letting go a pedophile who was caught in the act. Or a murderer who had, who had killed hundreds. And, every, and he had, they had witnesses for all of it. And he's like, you know what? Now nah, you're good. That's not a good judge. We cannot think that God will do that with our sins. There's a story of a good chief. A king. He was a large man, but he was a good man. He was abounding in love. And, the, and everyone in the village respected him. Everyone in the village trusted him, and they loved him, because they knew that he loved them. And then famine hit the village. And the village had its main, its main food was chickens, right? And all of a sudden, as the famine got worse, the chickens started getting stolen, and more getting stolen, and more getting stolen. And all of a sudden, the village was, at des- was, was almost at its end. It's like, oh no, th- th- this can't keep going on. So, th- so this good king, he put out a law bounty, if you will, that whoever is found caught stealing these chickens will get 40 lashes with a whip, which was enough to kill a man. And then, after a couple more days or a week, a servant comes rushing to the door. Your your Highness, we we have found the person stealing the chickens, and he starts tearing up. And then the king says, bring it, bring them in. So they bring in this frail old woman who can barely walk on her own and the king starts weeping, crying because it's his own mother. What's he going to do? Everyone knows that this king is good, but he is also just. So with tears in his eyes, the king says, tie up the prisoner, prepare for the whipping. So they tie up his mother 
And just as the man is about to swing the whip, the king says, Stop! And he takes off his kingly robe, and he goes over to his mother, and, he, and this hulking man, with his bare back laid open, wraps his mother up in his arms, and he says, Whip the prisoner. And he took every single lash for his mother when she deserved the punishment. He took it. He was good, but he was also just. And that is exactly what our Lord did for us. We have sinned. We have been, count, we have been found guilty of the wrath of God, and we deserve hell and punishment. And he says, whip the prisoner, but then he wraps us up in his arms. And he takes every single blow that we deserve. Every single one. And I want to go a little bit deeper with this abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. I believe, and especially through this sermon as you're going to find out, I did some research, and the root words of these, uh, these three words are powerful. We have that first word, abounding. The root, root, the root word is rebab. It means multiplication, increase, or growth. It's often used in the Bible to describe the abundance of people, animals, or possessions. The second word for loyal love, the root word was hasad. It means to bow, to bend the neck, to be good and kind, to be merciful, to be reproached and put to shame. The third word was faithfulness, and the root word is aman. And it means to support, to be faithful, to believe, trust, to bring up, to be carried, to nurse, to foster, parent, or father. So when we put these together, we have the gospel. We have God himself describing who he is. And it says this, God multiplies people that he is kind, good, and loving to by being bowed down, reproached, and put to shame. He will support, be faithful, bring up, carry, nurse, and be their father. This is the God of the Bible. This is my God and my Father. This is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He humiliated himself, was bowed low under the weight of our sin. He was reproached and put to shame in our place. He took the whip when we deserved it, that he may bring us up to carry us, to nurse us, and that he, God himself, may be our Father. And all he asks is that we would repent, turn from our sin, and turn to him. And when we make Jesus our Lord and Savior, God makes himself our Father. Now Jesus himself says that when even just one person repents and is saved, there is a huge rejoicing in heaven. And we want to join in their rejoicing. So with every head up and with every eye open, If you want to repent of your sin and give your life to Jesus, be it for the first time or to recommit your life to him tonight, stand up right now and let us welcome you into his family. Do we have any others? Do we have any others? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We welcome you into the family and back. He has never left you or forsaken you. Praise God. And will those around them and their small group leaders go and pray for them? For the rest of us, I would encourage you to get out of your seats and to ask God to reveal to you where he has been abounding in loyal love and faithfulness to you, even and especially in the hardest times of your life. He will show himself faithful and loving. Thank you, Lord. For more information, please visit XAUNC.com or find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash XAUNC. Our Instagram handle is at XAUNC, and you can find all of our content on our YouTube channel by searching for Chi Alpha UNC. Until next time, may the Lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering.